anyway uh definitely want to welcome everybody real quickly before we dive into the lesson of today we got any questions from the last previous two lessons questions comments criticisms snide remarks no okay all righty well we did adam that was pretty basic he was the first human of course we know the specific part about that the best part of that was the last adam which was jesus all right the b was the bible that's what governs our lives and we see how it was originated and how it was preserved and how it was inspired and all of that well today we're going to start with uh and we may make it through today i don't know yet uh c meaning the church uh, simply put, that's the body of Christ. Now, when you say church, the day and age we live in, we always think about a building. You know, right now we are at what the world would call the church, but ultimately this is our meeting place. This is our assembling place. Uh, the church is you guys and gals. Uh, it's us who lives, lives within us. And so we'll look at we'll look at four things um, this week and next week. We may get through it all today. I'm not sure, but again, I encourage questions. I like questions. The older I get, the more I like to sit and think on stuff and meditate on stuff. And I dig down deeper a little bit sometimes. Um, the older I get, uh, you'll see that in this morning's message. But anyway, let's look at the founding of the church. Uh, the founding of the church, or I guess you could say when the church was started. Now, all throughout the ages, there's been arguments and opinions of when did the church of God begin. Some people said it began with Adam. Of course, there's no way because Adam brought sin in. Some people say it started with Abraham because Abraham was such a great man of faith, which was good. Abraham was awesome. Then you can go back and look at the prophets and all. But I think Scripture shows us very, very, very clearly that the church did not start until the New Testament period. And it started after Christ had died for our sins and rose again and ascended to heaven. And so as we start reading, we read the book of Acts. By the way, the book of Acts is my favorite chapter, excuse me, my favorite book in the New Testament. Now y'all all know my favorite chapter in scripture is Romans chapter 8 because it's jam-packed with truths and all. But Acts would be my personal favorite because I love the church. And... Um, Proverbs would be probably be my favorite in the Old Testament, but the Acts is my favorite in the New Testament. When I came to Riverview, um, some of you don't know this, when I came to Riverview, we only we had less than 30 people. And as I came, um, there were some people at my former church who were really uh, disillusioned, really disheartened and discouraged about some things going on there. I never asked anybody to come over here, but there were people going to leave that church anyway. So they came over here because they knew me. And not that I'm nothing special, but I do love the Lord and I do try to preach his word. And so um, when I got here, we really literally within the first month, at least the first two months, had doubled. We went from 30 to probably 60 people in the church really, really quick. So I'm thinking, well, I've got to navigate this in a in a smooth way to help us understand that we're all in this together. And so the Lord laid on my heart through through my mentor, Pastor Richardson, to preach through the book of Acts. Because all throughout the book of Acts, they had one theme. It was called in one accord. 
they did, and that's not a Honda, okay? <laughs> that's <laughs> the same mindset, the same, that's, I'm going to use car humor, you know. Uh, you know, they did all things with the same mind, the same motives, and, um, and they all did it together with, with, with the same mindset to let's worship the Lord and grow the church. So we see it started in Acts chapter 1. The former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, the former treatise, you've got to understand who's writing the book of Acts, and that's Luke, not the fellow that just poked his head in here. <laughs> that's the, Luke, the beloved physician, the friend and accompaniment of Paul, okay? Uh, and so Paul had written the gospel of Luke. Now he goes and he reads, read, uh, writes the book of Acts. So he's adding on to what he had already made, and you see who is it addressed to Theophilus. I can't say 100% sure who that is, but he starts writing about what Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, he couldn't write everything down that Jesus did because the Bible says the books, the earth could not hold the books if everything that Jesus did was written down. He said, but uh, I began writing to what he began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence." So, in your mind's eye, just let your mind think about this. Jesus died on the cross. He rose the third day. Well, it said he was seen by any many unrefutable proofs. People saw him. It said up to as many as five 500 people saw his body, his literal resurrected body. There's a, there's a, there's a, School of class going on in the world that, yeah, Jesus rose in spirit. He never rose in body. That's not true. Because remember when Thomas doubted him? Remember when Jesus first met the disciples? <clears throat> He'd come in the middle of the room. He didn't even open the door. <laughs> he just showed up. And all of them saw him, but Thomas was not there. Of course, Judas went and hung himself. So Thomas hadn't seen him. And when he heard the other disciples, Thomas said, I will not believe until I place my finger in the prince of the nails. And so remember the next time Jesus meets Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas, when he meets Thomas, all right, this is Custer's very loose translation. Go ahead and poke all you want. <laughs> you know, hey, put your finger in and feel my... So if he was a spirit and not body, Thomas would not have been able to, to see the prince and feel the prince. Another thing is when he come up on the disciples when they were fishing that night, remember what he asked them? Do you have any meat? In other words, he was hungry. And so... He, he, was, he literally, physically, bodily rose from the grave. He was saw for many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days. Okay? But what is he? Because, and I, I know I didn't have time and we, I'd run out of paper if I, I put all this on paper. But it's all scripture. You can find it all in scripture. If you ask me, if you need something, I'll, I'll find it. But remember, every time he told them about his death, and his ascension into heaven, he said, the Father will send the Comforter. That's talking about the Holy Ghost. 
We talked about it last week. The Holy Ghost could come on you during the Old Testament, but he could leave. In the New Testament, he comes once and for all, and he stays. So he was seen to them for 40 days, but he commanded, verse 4, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. So uh, historians, theologians believe Jesus was seen 40 days, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. All right, let's read that real quick. Acts 1-7, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses both unto me, both in Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So he was seen for 40 days, literally, just like Elijah in the Old Testament, he went straight to heaven. <clears throat> All right. But then we see when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, <clears throat> Pentecost simply means 50. Y'all know what a pentagram is? I think I'm using the right term. It's a, um, it's a five-sided uh, thing, like the Pentagon. Maybe the pentagon is what I said. Pentagram sounds like something coming out of witchcraft. Okay. I'm saying. Okay. I'm glad. Glad I got that right. All right. That's a five sided, so it's pentagon. 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 Just like in Washington, D.C. One, two, three, four, five. Five sided, okay? Well, Pentecost simply means 50. So Jesus was bodily seen for 40 days. Once he was ascended into heaven, what we just read about, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit is sent. So when you see the word Pentecost, that's when the Holy Spirit was sent. And we see um, Acts 2.1. Uh, Michael, read that for me. Acts 2.1. <clears throat> and when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all, oh, wait a minute. Mm. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care whichever one of y'all read it. You know, starting, you started, man. You got to finish. Hey, I'm sorry. No, you just told me to use car sales. I know. He said, oh, my throat, my throat. Just do one. Just read the whole thing up to verse four. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled with the whole house where they were sitting. Then they, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay. Yep. So uh, I just realized now we had two Michaels. That's what I was like. I, never, I, I, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. It just hadn't registered. One, you guys know about Mike. Well, I, well, I wasn't even sure if he said Michael. Well, it's, it's all good. Because at one time, since I've been here, one time we had five Davids. I, my dad passed away, and I think another one left. So I think we're down to like... I think we're just down to two so the third one i can't remember who the third one he was just visiting for a while but now we have like five or six james so if i say james i better be specific but uh 
the Holy Spirit was sent 10 days after Christ, so that was 50 days, the Holy Spirit was sent. It was Jerusalem, and it come as a mighty rushing wind. Now, Jesus asked him, can you tell from, from where the Spirit, from whence it comes? And so the Holy Spirit came, it filled the house where they were sitting, and it appeared to them cloven tongues, or I think Michael's, uh, uh, you must be reading the New King James. Okay, it said divided tongues, which is okay, same thing. And the Spirit gave them utterance, same thing. And uh, verse 4, your handout says Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing. Okay, it goes back to the translations we were talking about last week. The Holy Spirit was sent, and everybody knew he was there, and everybody could feel his presence, okay? So literally, that is when the church began, was the day of Pentecost. Because the Holy Spirit is the power source of our church, of the church, okay? Without the Holy Spirit's presence and power, we're ultimately probably wasting our time, okay? So we see the founding of the church. Now we see the, the foundation of the church, okay? So you would say the foundation would be the Holy Spirit. Well, in a sense, yes, but it's really the foundation is Jesus Christ, uh, Mike, would you read <laughs> Matthew? I can't read those words. <laughs> no, okay. This country boy will slaughter. Okay, well, Robin. <laughs> hey, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Okay, so Jesus is feeling at his disciples. He knows the time's coming. He's going to be captured and killed. So he wants to make sure his disciples know who he is. Of course, the disciples had seen the miracles and all that. But he asked, he said, Who do you say I am? Some said, Were you John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist, man, he, he, he preached with authority. Some said Elias, which is the, and here that's the New Testament Greek spelling of the Old Testament, Elijah. Same thing, Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, that's Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Okay, April, uh, read verse 16 and 18 through 18. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Bless, Blessed yep. art mm -hmm. thou, Simon Barjona, Bar mm -hmm. for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, thou, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, so he asked Simon, which Simon's real name was Simon Barjona. All right, Nate probably remembers this. Anytime you see a word bar something, the word bar simply means suffix. Now you may remember this. Suffix uh, is means son of. So what he's really saying, he's calling him Simon, son of Jonah. So Barjona, son of. So Simon Barjona, his name. But he said, "Blessed art thou, Simon." For flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. But I say unto thee that thou art Peter. So the Lord gives Peter a new name, okay? Because Simon 
I forgot what the uh, Greek of Simon meant, but it's not very good. It's like trickster or deceiver or something. I have to look that up. I forgot. But it's uh, uh, whatever the Greek word is, it's not all that becoming. But Peter means rock. And Peter was a foundation of the disciples. But look what he said. He, he called him, thou art Peter. Peter in Greek means Petros. P-E-T-R-O-S. Okay, is that in the Greek? The ancient Greek. And it may be. But maybe that's got, yeah, maybe run to a wall. I don't know. <laughs> Knowing Simon, he put his nose where it didn't belong. because he was. But it, I'm sure that may have had a sarcastic meaning to it, something. All right, but what he said, he said, Thou art Peter, which is Petros. It's the same thing as a rock that's in your driveway. It's a pebble. It's a stone. It's little. But he gave Peter a name, but Jesus said, Upon this rock will I build my church. Now here he's talking about himself. Upon this rock. That is Petra. P-E-T-R-A. Petra. The foundation rock. A mountain. Something that you can really build off of. So he said, Upon this rock. Upon myself, Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So plain and simple, Jesus is the foundation of the church. Because it, if it had not been for Jesus and his, his death on Calvary, there would not have been any salvation. There would have never been a church to begin with. Okay, so um, then let's see, Ephesians uh, 2.20. Amber's, yeah, Amber, I was going to call on you, but you was writing, but you finished writing. So Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. Okay. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building built, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Okay, so very cl clearly... Jesus said, "You're built on the uh, the church is built upon the foundation and apostles of the prophets, um, but Jesus Christ is that foundation, and He's the cornerstone. Now, when you go to build a building, you dig a footer, okay? You build everything off of that footing. You go below the freeze line. I just did it. <laughs> Cost me dearly too. Uh, you go and you dig. You dig 18 inches below the ground." You dig a footing eight inches wide and eight inches deep. Uh, you build everything off that footing. Well, they didn't have backhoes back in those days, and nobody wanted. What they would do is they'd find a, a stone that was tried and true, that was perfectly square. You put that in the corner of the building, and you built everything off of that one corner because it was tried, it was straight, it was it was completely square, and uh, then that means the whole building would be straight and square like it needs to be. In other words, you had to build it correctly or it would not stand. Well, that's the way Jesus Christ is. We build upon him. He is our foundation. And so the founding of the church began at Pentecost in, in Acts chapter 2. The really foundation of the church is Jesus. But let's look at the fundamentals of the church. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read this for you because this could be a little tricky. <laughs> the label of the church. Where does the church, where does the word church come from? Well, the Greek word in the New Testament for our English word church is ecclesia. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, ecclesia. 
It is derived from the verb ekleo. The word ek means out. The word kleo means to call or to summon. Thus, the literal meaning of the word church is to call out. So, in the New Testament, Jesus tells his followers, come out from among them and be ye separate, thus saith the Lord. Now, he's talking to the to the, his followers, his, his disciples. And like I said, a disciple is simply a follower. Yes, there were 12 chosen disciples, but there were many more followers who were, had the same term disciple. So he simply said, come out from among them. In other words, come out from the wicked. Come out from the sinner. Be ye separate. And we're no better than the world. We all understand that because by the grace of God, We'd be on death row or in a ditch drunk or high this morning. We're no different than the world. We're no, excuse me, we're no better than the world, but we are called to be different from the world. Um, I never heard this, but I heard some parents used to tell their kids, go out and, and, and act like you got some raisin. <laughs> or go out and make me proud. <laughs> I... Uh, I thought I'd like to see Archie saying that, but I, I doubt it. I don't know. But Arch, Archie's too good of a dude, man. And uh, uh, but you act like you got some sense. Act like you got some. But we are to act different. Not that we're any better, but because we're God's child. Um, I saw my older brother. I've got an older brother. He's forty-eight. I think 48 or 49. He's six years older than me. But I can't remember if he turned six years after I I turned 42. So that means he's either 48 or 49. His birthday was last month, so I'm not sure. Um, yeah, dude, he was born in 71. He's 49. Yeah, he's 49. Anyway, I saw him make bad decisions, and I saw the consequences. That it, I saw the negative effects on my, my parents because they... I mean, my parents didn't have two nickels rubbed together. My dad worked at the cotton mill. My mom would teach some and, and end up being a teacher later on. She was a florist and all that too. But uh, I saw them struggle to try to put us through Christian school and give us the best that they could. And, you know, my brother would go make dumb decisions and I could just see it on my parents. I didn't want to disappoint my parents because I saw their sacrifice and what they done. Now, am I perfect? Absolutely not. Um... They may have thought so, but I hit it well. <laughs> but no, they knew I wouldn't. Um, but I didn't want to disappoint my parents. Why? We as Christians should not want to disappoint our Heavenly Father. Yes, He loves us. That was one of our points last week. He unconditionally loves us. But we're still to be called out to be separate from the world. Our walk, our talk, and everything ought to be different. All right, so that's the label of the church, Ecclesia. Um uh, then we see the lo uh, locality of the church. Uh, and I put this in here. Although there are many church buildings, there is only one true church that is made up, I forgot my E, <laughs> that is made up of saved and baptized individuals. Um, Galatians 3.26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, neither is there Jew nor Greek, neither is there bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. 
And uh, simply put, um, a church is comprised of saved and baptized believers. Um, Michael and April will be, be uh, baptized this morning. Their, their middle son, one of their middle sons, because they got two middle sons, <laughs> Peyton is, uh, accepted Christ a month ago. September 4th. September 4th. Okay, a little over a month ago. Man, time flies. They'll be baptized this morning. Okay? Does that baptism save them? No, because they got saved years ago before they even knew there was a Riverview. Okay? But they, they both said, hey, we've never been baptized and we want to be obedient and follow the Lord in baptism. All right? So that doesn't save them. That didn't save Carlton Epps and, and, and Jayton a few weeks ago. But that identified them as part of the body of Christ. And so when somebody comes and asks to join the church, the first thing I ask, I have to ask them biblically, number one, are you saved? Of course, there's a lot to that. Uh, and are you baptized? And so yes and yes, hey, man, we have no problem. Come and join our group. I will say this, though. Church membership while I'm here is a man-made thing. It's not in the Bible. I told you we were going to be real and I was going to be honest and transparent in all of this class. Church membership is man-made. I think, though, although I do believe church membership is a good thing, okay? Because it is a commitment, okay? Um, Mike and Robin, how long did y'all date? About a year. About a year, okay? And y'all engaged for a while. It didn't come official before you said I do, right? right? So ultimately, well, during that engagement period, somebody could have come along and stole Robin from Mike and vice versa. Somebody could have stole Mike from Robin. But when they went before the preacher and they said the I do's and they put a ring and they made a covenant and a vow to each other, that is commitment. And the same thing for church. When you join a church, it's committing. It's you're saying, hey, I believe like you. I see the Lord here. I want to be a part of this. And so it's, 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 it is. It's, it's a commitment. And, and I think God, we know God honors that. Uh, but ultimately, it's man-made. We've got people here that believe 99% of everything we teach. But maybe there's that 1% they've never got peace about. And I know this to be a fact. And they're good people. And I love these people. And they love me. And they love our church. But for whatever reason, they just won't take that last step. And that's okay, because here's the thing. Most of those people I'm speaking of in the back of my mind, they're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're here. So I don't care. If, you, if somebody comes regularly, I look at them as being a bigger part of our church as anybody else. You know, um, Archie, bless his heart, though, man. When he got in that nursing home, he got to worrying about that thing. But... Uh, that's just that's just an older mindset, and I understand that. And so, when Archie come back to church, I made sure that he knew he was a part of this church. But we got we got we have people, and if I name some names, it would shock you to death. I don't care. They're here. They're faithful. They love the Lord. They love us. We love them. Hey, let's just all work together. All right. So the locality of the church is yes. There's many churches. One of the nicknames for Danville's the city of churches, and. Uh, Jason Moss got me a shirt last year, uh, something about Danville, Virginia, the city of churches, and I'm almost ashamed to wear it because you know, you know, we got one of the highest crime rates 
At one time, I think it's gotten a little bit better. At one time, a couple of years ago, per population, looking at everything equal, because you can't compare the 60,000 in Danville or whatever it is to the millions in Chicago, <laughs> but tit for tat, apples to apples, one time Danville had the highest crime rate in the nation at one time. Uh, okay, so if there's that many churches and they're doing what they're supposed to do, we would not have the highest crime rate. Okay, but there's a lot of churches because there's doctrinal differences. We're going to probably talk about doctrines next week or whenever we get to it. And sometimes people, and I'll use one, baptism. I've already talked about it this morning. We as Baptists believe in immersion. You go under the water, you come back up. The Methodists believe in sprinkling. It's just a different belief. Now, Mike, when he come in, let everybody off. He was soaking wet. I said, man, if you was Methodist, you got covered this morning, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just joking, having a good time. And, and I, don't, I wouldn't probably say that if there's a Methodist in there because I don't want to be offensive. But it's just different doctrinal beliefs. There, there, there's some that some people struggle with that they think they can lose their salvation. There's a ton of them out there like that. I my sister-in-law this week. I actually got really upset and had to leave yeah. the room. Mm-hmm. She doesn't believe that once saved, always saved. And, and, I'll, tell you, and, and I'll tell you why. Told me I was a babe. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's why a lot of people struggle with that, Cindy. In my in my vantage point, some people can say, "Yeah, I'm saved," and they go out and they live like the devil. And so those are say, "Well, how in the world are you saved if you can live like that and get away with it?" I'm looking at the empty seat. So you know, and what they are is that person's one or two things: either they're backslidden and they're out of God's will, or chances are they're probably not truly saved at all to begin with. That'll kind of go along with some of what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of passionate about what I'm going to preach about this morning, but I know I can't get long with it because we've got a baptism. But um, I'm afraid, this is one of my biggest fears, that a lot of people know of God up here, but they don't know him right here. And uh, that's, that's always been uh, a concern of mine is that people will claim Christ. I used, I did an illustration a few years ago when I, re, I loved football. Up until this year, I'm so mad, I still ain't watching football. Um, I loved it, man. That was my pastime. In the summer, in the spring, I'd shoot target practice for, for fun. In the wintertime, I'd watch football. And, man, I love Kirk Cousins. still do, the quarterback of the Vikings. That's why I end up pulling for the Vikings. I know he's a Christian. He's very vocal about his stand and what he does. I can tell you everything about this guy. I know where he went to school growing up. I know where he lived. I know where he went to college. I know all about his family. His dad's a preacher in Florida. I could just rattle this off. I've met him thanks to thanks to the guys here at the church. I met him a few years ago up at Liberty's um, uh, Wildfire Weekend. I uh, got a picture with him. Cool dude. I know of Kirk Cousins but I don't know him personally because he doesn't know me. Yeah, we shook hands. I got a picture of him and all that. You know, cool. But I know of him, but I don't really personally know him. He doesn't know me. And I'm afraid there's a lot of folks in churches, probably even in ours, that know of up here, but they don't know him right here. And that's what makes all the difference. And we're going to see, we're going to see that this morning. I'll, I'll whet your appetite and then we'll close in prayer because I want to go down there and look at my notes a little bit.
I preached this Wednesday night about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The people were strolling their clothes in the way. They were cutting palm branches down, strolling the way for Jesus to enter in. And you'll hear this a little bit. That was at the beginning of the week. By the end of the week, some of those same people were hollering, crucify him. Man, that's what makes a difference. So we'll talk about that this morning. But all right, well, that's good. We're at a good stopping point. And uh, so we've seen the founding of the church, the foundation of the church, and the fundamentals. And we'll see the leaders of, of the church next week. And uh, we'll take some more questions. Any questions or comments? We'll hold off on the criticism since now we're not. All right. Father, Lord, thank you for uh, letting us open your word. Thank you for letting us talk. And, and uh, Lord, help this class. Uh, Lord, speak your truths into our lives. And God, help us not be a facade. Help us not be a fake wall or a fake person. God, help us be genuine this morning. And God, bless this lesson that's coming in a few minutes. And uh, Father, help us truly love you the way you love us. Thank you for everyone that's made it out today. I pray a, uh, pray a special blessing upon them. Be with Teresa and Manny. I know they hate missing be here this morning. Lord bless Manny, help him get to feeling better. Help Marissa, uh, Teresa not catch it. God, we've got other folks that's sick this morning and are just staying away as precautionary. If I know Squeaky's under the we uh, weather, we'll be with him and his family and everyone. Lord, I pray that you would bless our 11 o'clock hour meet with us and God help us just be true to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you.